Welcome to your daily cup of true crime in 15 minutes or less from Hot Crime Cold Coffee. Listener discretion advised due to sensitive material and some violence. These daily episodes are brought to you Monday through Friday in addition to our regular weekly episodes that you can find on Wednesdays and Fridays. Today is Tuesday, December 6th, and yesterday's true crime trivia question was, which serial killer worked in a chocolate factory? And the answer to that question is Jeffrey Dahmer. As you guys know, Jeffrey Dahmer totally freaks me out. I will not watch any of the docuseries or documentaries that have come out about him. Like, even as a little kid, when I heard this story, when people whispered about it, it it creeped me out. Jeffrey Dahmer killed 17 people during his crime period. He may have killed more, but there's 17 that we know about. And he worked at a chocolate factory called the Ambrosia Chocolate Company at night. He was the one who mixed chocolate. And even after he was sentenced in 1989 to a five-year probation period and work release, he continued to work there. He even kept parts of his victims in his work locker. He worked at nights and he earned $8.79 per hour, which that's a pretty high wage in the 80s and 90s. And ultimately, he was fired in 1991 for missing too many shifts. Today's a true crime trivia question is who were the Memphis three and I'll have the answer for you tomorrow. Today in true crime history on December 6th, 1991, four young teenagers, 13 year old Amy Ayers, 17 year old Eliza Thomas, 17 year old Jennifer Harbison, and Jennifer's 15-year-old sister, Sarah Harbison, were murdered at the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt Shop in Austin, Texas. This case remains unsolved to this day. It was featured in February of 2022 on 48 Hours. All of the victims had been shot in the head. Some of them had been sexually assaulted a 22 and a 380 pistol were used to commit the murders and they believe that the perpetrators escaped out of the back door in order to destroy the evidence the shop was then torched investigators do say that they found some dna they had a partial match but not enough to identify a particular suspect as we all know there are always advancements in dna technology so hopefully eventually and it's not hopefully this will happen they will be able to identify the perpetrator or perpetrators using dna evidence also today in true crime history 
On December 6th of 1993, landscape workers in Centerville, Virginia, discovered a woman's skeletal remains in a shallow grave on the side of the road. Detectives gathered jewelry, deteriorated clothing, a red comb, and a yellow barrette, and her identity remained unknown until last week. At the time, it was determined that she had suffered several stab and knife wounds and that she was a female between the ages of 28 and 39 and was between 5 foot and 5 foot 3 inches. She had thick, dark blonde hair and she had very poor teeth. Well, she was finally identified last week. So that's, let's see, you guys know I'm horrible at math. If she was discovered in 1993, 2003, 2013. So almost, almost 40 years, 39, I believe she was identified last week. And her name is Sharon K. Abbott Lane. What's interesting is that she is the Fairfax County 1993 Jane Doe, and there is a there was a 2001 Jane Doe. Um, and Othram Labs were very instrumental in identifying both of them. I just think it's interesting that Fairfax County, it's a fairly large county, is working so hard to identify these unidentified persons. On December 6th of 1995, an unidentified Jane Doe was found in Jacksonville, North Carolina. She remained unidentified until 2019, and she was identified as Randy Booth Wilson. The last time that she had been seen was October 28, 1994. She went to go visit her sister, but never showed up. They did find her vehicle. There were letters to her children that stated that she had planned on leaving them. There were credit cards that she had mailed to her husband. And her whereabouts were unknown. The case... It still remains unsolved, but they have been able to give her her name back. And her cause of death is homicide. They did have a suspect in the case, but it's unknown if he will ever be charged. They do believe that Matthew Lorne Alder 
may have been involved. They had made multiple attempts to identify her previously, including facial reconstructions and even featuring her case on America's Most Wanted. One of the possible reasons why it took so long to identify her is that they had inaccurately classified her as Caucasian and she, I believe, is African-American. They were eventually were able to identify her through DNA. They used DNA from a bone marrow sample and they were able to match it to the saliva from an envelope of a letter that she had sent. On December 6th of 2009, Susan Marie Powell disappeared from West Valley City, Utah. I remember this one in particular because I have a lot of friends and family in Utah and everyone was posting about this. Her remains have never been found. And in 2012, her husband killed himself and their two young sons after custody of the two boys was awarded to Su Susan's parents. She was declared legally dead and her case is currently closed, but they have not been able to find her remains. I think murder-suicide is such a horrible thing. I can I can't even understand suicide itself. But killing your loved ones and then yourself, I it's I can't even wrap my head around it. Any crimes against children are horrific, but when it's your own children, it's even worse. One of the odd things, and this may have contributed to it taking so long to identify her, is that she was living in New York at the time, and her body was found in North Carolina. That's a huge distance in between her last known whereabouts and where she was found. We've been following the Flores Flores case for the murder of Kristen Smart and Paul Flores was supposed to have been sentenced this week. However, his attorney requested that he be given time to file an appeal. So the sentencing was postponed to March of 2023. For those of you who listen to your own backyard podcast, Chris has even stated that there's still one episode, but it won't post until after the sentencing because essentially the sentencing hopefully will be the end of the story. Don't forget that this week there is the press conference where they're going to release the name of the boy in the box that will be
That's it for today's daily episode. Don't forget daily episodes are Monday through Friday with your regular episodes on Wednesday and Friday. Please rate, subscribe, save, follow, and you can find us on social media at Hot Crime Cold Coffee. See ya. Thank you.